Climbing is an avenue to teach me, um, or, or a tool, I guess, that I'm using to relearn how to trust people. Check it out. Hi, I'm Alexa Forster, and I'm super excited to bring you the next LGBTQ takeover edition of the Sins and Suffers podcast. Today, I talked to Claire Larson. Claire is... Well, she's just a badass ice climber from Pacific Northwest area. She's a SCARPA AMI alumni and peer mentor, and she's also a participant coordinator with the All in Ice Fest. Just a reminder, this episode was recorded in April 2021, so there are a couple things that are a little dated. However, I think that there are so many important things and topics that we talked about that are still super relevant in today's world. So enjoy the episode. Check it out. Hi, my name is Alexa Forster, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am your host today for this special LGBTQ takeover on Sins and Suffers. And today, I am so grateful to be joined by Claire Larson. Hey, Claire, how are you today? Hey, Alex. Oh, sorry. Ah! It's okay. <sighs> just breathe. It's okay. Um, this will be the hardest one, just the intro. Right. From here. Um, hey, Alexa, I'm Claire. Uh, I'm a transgender ice climber and alpine climber out of Bozeman, Montana. My pronouns are she, her, princess. Um, you're always welcome to call me princess. Um, <laughs> I uh, born and raised in Peoria, Illinois, and grew up in rural northeast Kansas, Um Came out to Bozeman, Montana for college in 2010, found backcountry skiing and climbing, and have never looked back. Wow. That's quite the journey you've been on, for sure. Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah, thanks for that quick little little bio there. That's perfect. Um, so, Claire, uh, I guess the first thing I kind of wanted to start off with uh, uh where you recently, you know, were selected by Scarpa as one of their uh, AMIs. So would you want to talk about talk about that a little bit? And just yeah. explain, just like, if I never knew what it was, you could just completely explain it to me. Like, I knew nothing. <laughs> For sure. So um, Scarpa, the awesome Italian mountain boot company, um, makes all your favorite climbing shoes and ice boots yep. and ski boots. Um, just got new Scarpas myself. Hell yeah. Um, they... Uh, just announced and um, released their first athlete mentorship initiative um, program. So I believe there's 33 other athletes, um, including myself, so 32 other athletes, um, (laughs) that were selected to um, uplift and um, 
I guess, try to um, offer guidance and um, gain, uh, provide opportunities to help um, us build experience and um, networking skills, business skills, climbing, skiing, trail running skills. Um, basically, all people from um, historically marginalized identities, myself being a transgender woman, um, there's uh, BIPOC people, um, immigrants, people with um, disabilities. Um, so it's a really awesome program. Um, the program pairs you with a um, uh, with one of the SCARPA professional athletes. Uh, my mentor is Nikki Smith, also a transgender woman and ice climber out of Salt Lake City. And it's a year-long program of, um, of just intense mentorship, um, really customized to the individual pairings um, goals and, and desires, um, but then also roping in um, a more, I guess, communal um, mentorship with the SCARPA um, business team as well um we've um we've we've got to talk with um uh kim miller the ceo and um and just learn about some of the the business ends of being an athlete in um in the mountain worlds and yeah that's awesome that sounds like so much fun it's just a great experience for sure. <laughs> right. For you. That's so cool. Like I remember I, um, cause I followed you on Instagram before mm -hmm. I reached out to you about the project and stuff. And I'm pretty sure I saw your post about it, but I was just so unaware of what this was. So it was nice to um, have you explain it there and then go through it. Yeah. So that's well, really cool. It, it all kind of came out really quickly. Um, I learned about the program, I think only in December and, announcements on who was selected uh, there was an application process um but uh, announcements were made in like early february so it was um really quick turnaround um and yeah so if i i bet a lot of people um just didn't notice it also being the first year um it wasn't a, a known thing up to that point so Cool. You're part of the first, the very first set of people. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I guess I wanted to kind of just like jump back and going to kind of like into your past for climbing and like what got you started climbing? So I guess um, to be technical, first time I went climbing, I was around um, however old you are in the sixth grade. Um my <laughs> my boy scout troop at the time um went to a climbing gym in bloomington illinois called upper limits i believe at the time they like their whole thing was they had the the tallest climbing wall in america um it was inside of a corn silo and um i had known absolutely nothing about climbing before that but being a tinker and a gear nerd, um, 
just walking inside and seeing all these cool like carabiners and ropes and and everything i just like was fascinated from it from the get-go um that said growing up in in the midwest not much climbing um especially at that point in time it seems like there's been a lot of development over the last several years and that's incredible but um climbing as much as i was um interested in it it just wasn't an available thing um i didn't have any kind of access to it um until i moved to bozeman montana for college in 2010 um there uh, a bunch of my my freshman year friends um who grew up out in the west grew up rock climbing um brought me along and just started sport climbing um i think like like a lot of people do um it's your first introduction either like at a gym or um a nice single pitch crag and that really um my climbing kind of stuck in that realm of um just single pitch sport climbing for um quite a while um i started to develop interest in alpine climbing and ice climbing not so much as my climbing um abilities and desires increased but my backcountry uh split boarding desires increased um i had gotten into um touring in the backcountry and that made me want to get into ski mountaineering and uh, after college, I actually left Bozeman for a while and moved to San Francisco. Um, and while that was an incredible and life-changing experience in its own ways, um, I didn't have access to the outdoors. And that gave me a um, a big awakening to how important this um, would end up all being in my life. Um, so from there, I moved to Queenstown, New Zealand, um, and spent a um, good majority of a year um, uh, ski touring around there and getting more into ski mountaineering. Um, that while I was there, though, training for um, some of the objectives is what really really got me into the mindset that like alpine climbing is what i really um like love so much right now um while i was training i did the um uh remarkables traverse of the remarkables range um just outside of queenstown and um long story short um once i got back to the u.s um, eventually ended up back here in Bozeman, Montana, um, specifically because Highlight is here and Highlight Canyon being um, kind of, you know, one of the meccas of ice climbing in um, North America um, just seemed like a, a perfect mix of this is what I want to do incredible access to um to train and build these skills and career uh, or build these skills um and 
having already lived here, going to college here, being familiar with the place. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Um, so you were, you were talking about, uh, so there's like ice climbing, because I'm just completely unaware of like all the different <laughs> types of like climbing there is outside for like, as far as like outside traditional like sport climb whatever so you said like ice climbing and alpine climbing and there was another one where it was like split board ah split boarding yeah the um yeah what's what's the 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 ugly stepchild of the ski world um (laughs) so a split board is literally a, uh, a snowboard that is cut in half um lengthwise and it turns into a pair of skis that you can put skins on and tour up a mountain. Um, uh, think of like cross country skiing, um, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then once you're at the top, snap it back together and ride the snowboard back down. <laughs> okay, that's that's intense. <laughs> it, it can be. It's definitely not as light and efficient as. Uh, a really nice uh ski tour setup can be mm-hmm. but yeah like um, you don't get the nice lift to get you all the way up there you're actually like you know huffing it all the way up top for sure but but just the uh like the the gear involved the um uh, an alpine touring ski setup um is just so much lighter and more efficient um split boards are getting better but um i think it'll forever be the the ugly stepchild <laughs> Gotcha. No, that's cool. Yeah, I'm so excited to learn about all those other parts of climbing that I don't really see here in Texas. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So oh, you guys got my... some ice this uh, this winter. We did yeah, <laughs> like so much that you probably could have come down and ice climbed it outside. I saw some of photos of some like water towers that um, had 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 leaks and then the ice was forming on all the structure and it was like mm-hmm. that would actually be kind of fun to to go down and do some ice climbing in texas <laughs> yeah you could actually tell someone yeah ice climbing in texas once and they'll be like what mm-hmm. just look at you crazy. <laughs> um yeah it was that that weather was so crazy because um texas doesn't get anything like that ever most of the time or usually it's like once in 10 years. And when I say once in 10 years, I mean like 10 years ago to the day was the last time that we had that mm-hmm. much like snow and ice here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Like I remember specifically being in college and then like having the whole week off school because everything was frozen. And you could no one knew how to drive in it. And none of the cities knew how to prepare for that. Um so even yeah, like ten years later from the the last time it happened, uh, like the system just crumbled, electricity grid. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is the because... best when you're when you're a kid and you're like, oh cool, there's, you know, I remember in in Kansas, um, mm-hmm. we'd get a few inches of snow snow day, like yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was not, now like, yeah, like last time I did, it was in college 10 years ago and now it's like okay, 10 years later. Now I'm like 30 years old and an adult. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well now I don't have to work. So this is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only downside is like, I'm a con- independent contractor. So those days I don't work, I don't get like paid like most people who would, you mm-hmm. know, be a uh, salaried employee, whatever. Um, so luckily I needed a break. 
So that was just like nature telling me like, okay, you're not even going to work this week because we're not going to let you get on the roads. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine with me. I needed time to kind of exhale before, um, a big, you know, long span of work hit my way. So just kind of roll roll with a punch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Mm -hmm. just, yeah, but honestly, it, that was such a harsh storm on Texas and I feel very, very fortunate and lucky that like, I didn't lose power. Like, you know, I don't know the numbers exactly, but like thousands upon thousands of residents in Texas, like I want to mm-hmm. say it was multi-thousand levels yeah. of people. Um, and I'm going to look back and just like know me talking about numbers for something that I didn't research before is going to sound so great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, lots of people lost power and I'm very fortunate that we didn't lose power. Um, so we actually had friends come over and stay with us because, you know, inside of their house was like, you know, 30 degrees or mm-hmm. something. Um, yeah. And it was it was funny. I remember like after like going back to the climbing gym after it all happened, and seeing Mario, you know, uh, <laughs> whose podcasts were on, and I was like, oh, how did how how did the uh, weather fare for you uh, in Fort Worth? And he was like, well, I just like <laughs> he sounded so badass about it. Just like, oh, matter of fact, so I just you know se- secured all my pipes and like tied them up and kept <laughs> them warm, and I just popped up my tent in my living room and opened the windows, and I'm just like what <laughs> like i have no experience when it comes to like any type <laughs> of like cold weather camping so like him just like just like oh yeah as a matter of fact just mm-hmm. like talking about it like that i was just like wow like you're who i'm coming to for any like questions about camping or anything for like cold weather and stuff and mm-hmm. i've kind of been actually prepping for my first uh camping slash climbing trip um n- in a couple weeks actually so i'm excited to uh be doing that right now so awesome that's where are you fun. heading i'm going to uh horseshoe canyon in arkansas okay um yeah i um and it's it, been planned for a hot minute or like right now arkansas isn't the best place in in the u.s I, for me I, to want to be going just gonna say uh <laughs> be uh be careful <laughs> yeah like i am super I don't know. I've been kind of worried about it this last week, like just like because mm-hmm. I didn't have like a, I didn't like any like supplies for camping basically. So I just mm-hmm. went and got like a sleeping bag and a nice sleeping pad from REI, and then just kind of ordered a generic tent just to you know get yeah. by this first round. Like I invested you know decently in the in, in the bag and like the pad more than anything, and then just like mm-hmm. okay, the the tent will be something I'll I'll come to earn basically if I do enough of these trips and I'll like invest in something mm-hmm. a little bit more. You know, I don't know. Sleeping in the back of your car is highly underrated. Yeah, I mean, uh, I did just get like a Volkswagen Golf last year um, mm-hmm. that I can put the seats down. And like when I got the car, like doing like production work, I thought about the first thing I was like, I want to be sure to put the seats down, and I want to mm-hmm. be able to fit like a C stand or yeah. some type of like combo stand into my car for production work. And for sure. Like, I just like <laughs> called my old work. I called my old work actually. And I was like, "Hey, what are the size of what's the size of measure of a C stand if it's completely collapsed?" And yeah. like I a asked little shorter just than so a... I know and like I so like okay, it's a little bit sh- it's like 50 something inches and so like yeah. I was like, "Okay, I should be able to lay in the back seat of my car with everything mm-hmm. collapsed, you know, in the bed." And then I was able to figure out if things would fit basically <laughs> out of that. Yeah. 
I'm just using myself as a measuring stick. Oh. Um, you can you can stuff so, it. In yeah, there. I could definitely I could definitely put the seats forward in the front and like sleep in the back if that's ever an issue. If, if yes. like rain's gonna mess something up. For sure. Um, Wait, yeah, when I was in New Zealand, I I lived in my '96 um, Toyota Camry for the whole time. Um, seats did not wow. lay back flat, but let me tell you, after six nine months of that i can sleep anywhere i bet that sounds intense. it was interesting <laughs> not gonna say it was always fun but <laughs> yeah so that was, was you said that was your car like do you did you bring it there or you purchased it when you got no there? i i bought it when i got there okay that makes more sense like you mm-hmm. talked about like you some reason i was like wait a minute did she like have the car like with her like that sounds so expensive (laughs) i really wanted to find a toyota helix and ship it back but it was just too cost prohibitive um yeah but oh my god (laughs) so like one of the one of the fun questions that I, i i like to hear different answers about um is um why do you climb like what brings you back each time yeah um, so that's definitely an ever evolving answer for sure. Um, what got me into climbing early on, um, I, I think I, as I mentioned it earlier, I'm a gear nerd, I'm a tinker, I grew up riding and racing bikes and just being able to acquire and organize and you know do all that um i'm sold instantly but growing up in the midwest um i i had access to the outdoors but it, it was a very different type of outdoors experience than what I have now. Um, There was a lot of uh, fishing and um, just growing up like hunting adjacent. You're you're out in the countryside or whatever, but you're just surrounded by cornfields and wheat fields and there's no mountains, there's no forests. So when I finally got to uh, Montana and there's these ginormous mountains. Um, there's snow-capped peaks, incredible rivers. To be able to go out and participate um, in in nature, to climb, to hike, to see what's over this next you know hill or bend or, or whatever. Um, was unquestionably a huge draw. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's kind of a cliche answer, but, you know, it, climbing is a way to be a part of nature and to experience it. Um, but more and more, especially since I came out and started transitioning, um, up up until that point of being honest and truthful about who I am, I was never able to process trauma from my past. 
um, it all just got buried deep. So once this process started, um, all this stuff just has been coming out um, out of the floodgates. Um, and one thing that society, our society in the U.S. has taught me is to not trust people. Um, so climbing, so it, I already had this introduction to climbing and this connection to nature that was always good and healing, blah, blah, blah. But climbing is such an intimate and can be a, such a dangerous thing to do that you have to be able to build trust and build a, a strong relationship with your climbing partners. So more and more, climbing is an avenue to teach me um, or, or a tool, I guess, that I'm using to relearn how to trust people um, and how to get close to people and more intimate with people and um, just be a part of society and stop hiding and stop like ignoring all my trauma and whatever else. It's, it's a way to connect me to the world. Um, so that's what's got me really jazzed right now. <laughs> Climbing is a part of my therapy. <laughs> um, yes. Oh so. my goodness. That's like, you said some other thing. You said like some things uh -huh. I definitely like, oh yeah, this for sure. But like what, yeah, there were so many things that I'm going to try to start from the beginning and I'm going to forget something. Sure. Uh, so like the first thing you said that was about like how, um, you did it for like the outdoors and stuff and like being with nature, mm -hmm. which I find funny because I haven't been able to climb outside just yet. Um, but I look forward to like having that experience and getting mm -hmm. to see, um, and like having that connection with nature once I'm finally outside in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that first thing that I noticed. And then the the second part was like, you know, we're both trans women and, uh, like you started climbing, you know, prior to transition and I picked up like after my transition or whatever. But like for me, I guess like climbing, um, like it's, it's interesting. You said like you weren't ever to really like trust people, I guess, or like it, you were able to start like unpacking like mm -hmm. traumas basically that you weren't able to actually like access before. And I think that's so interesting to hear from another trans person, especially from another, you know, trans woman who climbs because there's not that many of us, mm -hmm. um, to hear that and to like relate to it so easily. Um, yeah. Cause I did feel that way of like not being able to really access how I felt about most things or to like actually be truthful or honest with myself about it. So it's interesting mm -hmm. how like that one thing that you've been or for me at least, it was like this one thing that I had been kind of like not really aware of, but at the same time it had been like, you know, keeping me from being 100% who I was. So therefore I wasn't able to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
so yeah like you said like climbing is therapy for me and I, I very much agree with that like for me um I'll try to always go to the gym if I get really worked up about something or if I'm really stressed out or anxious about something like going to the gym just allows me to focus on that one thing and climbing that one route and going from move to move and lets me someone else said this um because this is one of my fun questions that i love asking everyone is like it's like getting to like center myself and like presence to be present basically like Mm -hmm. in the moment like there's so many parts of our days in our lives where we're not present but whenever you're whenever you're climbing you kind of have to be or you're not gonna like you're gonna mess something up and then come tumbling down and having to restart so it's it's interesting like that you you brought that side of therapy as well but it's like so it's so good to to know there's like this kind of similar feeling that everyone has about it and getting to share Mm -hmm. that i guess it's it's really neat to hear that um everyone has their own kind of version and their reasons for it so it's just for sure it's fun to hear that and to um yeah i really feel that too like the um being on the wall or on on the ice or whatever it's whatever anxiety is like destroying me (laughs) um for the rest of the day is like gone and Mm -hmm. it's just a relief it's just i can just exist and without talking without anything i just exist as me and it's Mm -hmm. such um it's it's sad that that's one of the few places i get that but but that's where it is so um i'm I'm gonna roll with it and (laughs) um i i get to just be me be claire and also work on learning how to to build trust and form relationships so yeah that's that's something that you said that i actually haven't heard yet so that's really thank you mm-hmm. for pointing it out the trust that was the other part um but i never forgot something that was it um yeah like trust is a very important part of climbing i feel like you're literally putting your life in somebody else's hands whenever you're asking them to belay you so mm-hmm. you got to learn to trust like really fast and that's something that I didn't even realize that I was doing until you brought it up is like, you know, I've mm-hmm. just, I've gone to the gym so many times by myself just because I, you know, was lazy and didn't, you know, contact my friends before I went or like mm-hmm. had enough time to get them to come with me. I was like, I'll just find someone to believe me when I get to the gym. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so yeah, like I'll just, you know, find other people that are hitting auto belays and try to start a conversation one way or the other about climbing mm-hmm. and then see if they want me to catch them on a route. I'll usually offer that first, um, and seeing if they want to climb something besides the three auto blaze that are on the wall. Right. Um and, well, and yeah. it's just exponentially more important and higher risks the deeper you get into the mountains mm-hmm. when you're dealing with weather you're dealing with avalanche conditions, possibly you're dealing with crevasses and changing ice conditions. Um, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, it's oddly, I think as a society, um, we oftentimes think of climbing kind of as a individual 
um, activity or, or individual, individualistic. Um, and I, you know, I grew up playing team sports, um, played football, basketball, soccer, baseball, but the, uh, climbing is one of the, like the most in, intimate and intense team environments I've, I've ever been in. Um, yeah. No, I, I so agree with that statement. Like, like kind of polar opposite. Like I didn't grow up playing sports. Like <laughs> I grew up like as like a theater nerd and like choir nerd, and, like all these other kind yes. of artsy things. Yes. So I never like would have <laughs> seen myself like, if you had asked, you know, Alexa, you know, five, ten years ago, do you ever see yourself rock climbing? And she would have said, no, <laughs> like, you must be crazy. <laughs> um, so I think it's really interesting. Yeah, because like you're talking about how it's such a like team sport, like kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And that that is one of the things that I find so interesting about climbing is that it's so it's the most social sport that I have ever, you know, done, basically, like. I, I don't know how else to explain it besides like the and like I've talked about one, this with one other person is just like being trans and being a climber and going to a gym like there is just like another layer of kind of stress there or at least there was for me in the beginning mm-hmm. like going to the gym that I go to I go to these summit uh, gyms here in uh, North Texas and um the first time I ever went was with a friend who was, you know, queer and I just um, celebrated New Year's uh, at my friend's place and I crashed over at her place in Denton. Mm-hmm. And then the next day she's like, hey, do you want to go climbing? And I'm just like, hey, you know what? It's a new year. I should try something new. Why not? Take me rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, because she had done it because her partner got her into it and they started climbing together. Um, and I think that's actually where they met. So that makes sense. But they started going okay. more because, you know, their partner was doing it. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, if it wasn't for having some queer friends invite me along to this, you know, activity that I had seen as always being pretty kind of, you know, macho kind of dude bro sport, then I really mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have gone. And so it was like trusting her, you know, there's the trust coming back up mm-hmm. and um, going to a gym, which I didn't really enjoy ever before. Um, but when I went, it was completely different than I, how I thought it was going to be like everyone there was super cool and just super accepting. Cause at this point that was a 20, uh, 2019 mm-hmm. January 1st. And I had just only been like less than a year into my transition. Um, so I still like was, um, you know, had a lot of old remaining facial hair from my tomboy days. Mm -hmm. um that i was still working on getting rid of and um yeah so i just automatically did not pass anywhere i went um for the longest time and was just like worried about going into a gym atmosphere about that and kind of i straight up refuse to go to gyms like yeah (laughs) so you haven't you haven't been climbing in gyms then you just been climbing no absolutely not um (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) i for for a lot of reasons, some of the the obvious you know trans related reasons, um, mm-hmm. but then going back to some childhood trauma, which is, I guess, also kind of indirectly trans related. But um, yeah, no, uh, you cannot get me to go into a gym. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sorry. It sounds nah, like, like like you said, if it's something like childhood related, I can understand it's super yeah sensitive. So I don't want to like push on the matter any. No, but, like, no, no. If you're it's ever in 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 Texas for any mm -hmm. reason, um, I would like to challenge you and try to get you to <laughs> to to a gym that day. I, it might be harder to get me to get to Texas than in a gym. Yeah. I will say that, but <laughs> um, although I don't know, Houston's sounding pretty cool right now. Houston, what's so cool about Houston right now? Um, all the the Vietnamese food, just like majorly changing culture and demographics. Um, food for sure. Food, okay. Yeah, food, food, gotcha. food might get me there. <laughs> okay, interesting. I might have to do some research on Vietnamese food uh, in mm -hmm. Houston then to see if we could get you down here to, uh, to go climb. <laughs> you, even if in Houston, there was no summits down there. That's the that's like my gym. Like my Is home it? gym that I trust, um, and they've been doing like a really good job, basically, <laughs> of um, being more inclusive. Like basically, they started doing uh, these LGBTQ climbing sessions. Um, yes. Back in 2019, they did the first one, and that was because like I annoyed them enough with the, just like asking them to like, <laughs> like, hey, like we do this thing called Lady Crushers, where you know. Mm -hmm. You know, people, you know, who are w women or identify as women get to come climb at the gym, you know, Sunday yeah. mornings from like 10 a.m. to noon. It's really cool. And mm -hmm. uh, we should do one for like the LGBTQ, you know, plus community. Yeah. And well, and that just shows started. why having community and representation is so important. Because like, mm -hmm. OK, if if there is a, a queer night or whatever at. Mm -hmm. um at a local gym like if i know i'm gonna have that support and safety of my people like yeah okay i all i will be able to take more of that mm -hmm. that gamble and go and yeah whatnot but see that's that's exactly why i like wanted to start doing something like that is because i knew mm -hmm. there would be people who would actually feel like welcomed, you know, and invited mostly mm -hmm. and trusting to come. Um, mm -hmm. And like one of the things that was so rewarding about that um, and getting that started with them with Summit was like, we did this first one at their smaller gym in Denton, which was bouldering only. And it was like, we had like 20, 30 people show up, I think. And then okay. we did the second one at their newer, like, you know, you know, flagship, you know, just open gym. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was like 70 something people showed up pre COVID. That's so awesome. And it was just the most like rewarding thing to see a gym full of people like yeah. from the community, all there climbing together and just like interacting. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really cool because like, I'm really bad with names to begin with. I'll just preface <laughs> it with what I'm about to say. So like there's, um, one of the guys uh, who now hosts the LGBTQ climbs because he's uh, some employee. His name's Tom, um, and he was at that that Plano like first L one of the second second LGBTQ climb that mm -hmm. they did, and I met him apparently, and I completely forgot that I met him there. So it's funny now because like I had been friends with him the last year or so, mm -hmm. and like you know talked to him about like bringing this program back and i was like you should totally be a part of it you know since someone wants to keep it in house mm -hmm. you'd be a great person to help host it 
and then he got, you know, he went and, you know, talked to them about it. And I also sent them a message saying you should bring Tom into this because Tom's awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's it's such a cool thing just to see that connection from, like, seeing him at the first one and then now he's helping run mm-hmm. the thing. So it's it's a lot of fun just to see the growth and the people you meet. And it's, yeah, I'm looking to do more... Um, like LGBTQ related, like climbing um, type of workshops or whatever I can really just to help yeah. as much as, as I can. Like I can't do much, but I'm going to try. There are, there's steps, you know, you yeah. got to start somewhere and yeah, we, exactly. we do. Here's the thing. We do have a community. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that there's not many trans climbers and statistically, yes, you're right. But I, over the last several weeks, I don't know what, what's happened, um, I guess, other than being a part of this, now being a part of this Scarpa AMI thing, but my, like, my followers on social media is, like, so many trans and non-binary um, climbers are, like, connecting with me now, and it's, like, blowing my mind, um, <laughs> and, it, like, it just... Even I have these preconceived ideas about our our community that, you know, there's not many of us, but there are many of us, too. Yeah. No, it's it's so cool um, that it's just, like, kind of growing and you're finally able to, like, meet more people. And, mm-hmm. like, um, like, it's funny because I had been climbing at, you know, Summit's Gyms for the past two years now. Like, if you don't really count COVID and then, you know being mm-hmm. out for a couple months for an injury that I had before. But like I was climbing since 2019 and then just, I would say a couple months back, I finally met another trans woman climbing, you know, and took me two years at the gym to meet, you know, someone like me. Um, mm-hmm. But it finally happened. Um, and you know, she's really great and the fun person to climb with. And it was like so funny once we both figured, like realized um, because we were able to like talk about, you know, uh, our transition and whatnot. And then like, we both found out that we actually have the same like like HRT birthday like oh you yeah know, like we both have the same exact day it's like May 17th 2018 um we wow. both started HRT the same day so oh it was God. like so funny to like have that same birthday with her mine is literally May 20th 2019 what <laughs> So a year a year and two days yeah Yeah. a year and two days that's awesome (laughs) we're so close that's awesome sweet right such a small world i love it um yeah that's crazy um so i guess next kind of thing i had up (laughs) here um to ask you is like what are your thoughts um on today's like climbing culture slash community and Mm -hmm. what do you think that we can do to improve the community big question (laughs) (laughs) um you know i am i'm so conflicted and confused by our community um one day it seems like the greatest, most inclusive, safe, and helpful place that I've ever experienced. The next day, 
it can just be a nightmare. Um, and I, I certainly cannot speak on the climbing community and the climbing world at large. Um, cause I, you know, I, I only live here in, in Bozeman and mm-hmm. I, I'm not connected to that community at a larger scale. Um, and my experience while I have climbed, um, elsewhere, um, the overwhelming, um, majority of my climbing existence has happened within this Bozeman um, area. Um, so yeah, um, going off of that, our, our community here in, in Bozeman and highlight, um, I, the ice community is where I have more connection and more focus. Um, but I, I've been happily blown away, um, over the last two years at seeing how much more inclusive and diverse our, our, um, our community is, um, Mm -hmm. Montana is one of the ruralist states, one of the whitest states, and, I think um, this entire season, I've probably averaged between three to four days a week climbing. Um, I think I've only climbed with three cishet white men the entire season. Um, And that's made up through a mix of locals and people traveling through. But the... The reality is that the LGBT community, the BIPOC community, the adaptive community is making strides to take and demand our place within these worlds. And there's, I see a lot of hope and a lot of love in that. Um, There's obviously always going to be work to be done. if you want to talk about homophobia and transphobia and racism, it's always going to exist in the climbing world because the climbing world does not exist in a vacuum. Um, we are all people that are a part of this greater society. Um, in our um, situation, we are all a part of quote-unquote Western white American society, which is a racist, homophobic, um, ableist society. So it's only natural that these issues are going to permeate and exist um, in these sub um, genres of life um, until the over, you know, the umbrella society um, changes. Um, That said, um, That there are people out here doing trying to do the work. Um, they're making mistakes, of course, um, but the we are changing the work we're doing. The work Scarpa is doing with this AMI program. Um, there's 
been a plethora of affinity groups that have popped up over the last couple of years. Um, I know like the Bozeman Ice Fest um, a couple of years ago started introducing affinity clinics, um, like intro to ice climbing for LGBT people, for BIPOC people, um, etc. So it's, I, I've got a lot of hope. Um, and I, it's always going to be a struggle. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, it, how can it be easy? Um, there is no road to follow. Um, my, my mentor, Nikki Smith, um, again, also a, a trans climber, um, I love this quote from her so much. Um, <laughs> she she said, um, "Like how how can we stay in our lanes? We're building the fucking road. Like <laughs> there is no lane for us. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's going to be a struggle, but the work is getting done, and it's yeah. it's beautiful. No, that's that's very true. Like there's like one thing I've noticed." Um, with that question like to improve it you know it's like we all exist and first like inside of our own smaller community like Mm -hmm. i'm in this north north texas kind of climbing community and you're in bozeman montana community up there so like everyone has their own kind of like you know communities and like the kind of like norms and things that people face there um but what i think is really great is what the online community has created for like us especially as you know Uh trans folks is that you know we've been able to connect and form a community just through you know social media through instagram basically i've been able to find and meet so many incredible um people in our community who also climb that are even in this like you know smaller community together now and Uh be able to like meet them and talk to them is just like amazing to kind of just get a glimpse you know in their world and kind of seeing you know what what they're up to so i'm super grateful that um that exists and and, like we've been able to have that connection through it yeah the the online communication uh and networking um family i don't like the word networking um family building um (laughs) uh is is so important to changing this culture um and it's it's funny that that you bring that up because since starting my since since accepting um that i am transgender and Mm -hmm. starting my my journey um to live my truth um i have been able to build some of the best closest um relationships um with other trans people through Mm -hmm. through instagram through whatever other online format there is Mm -hmm. um and i i i don't know that i could be where i'm at today without that especially when when you consider Nikki Smith is literally the only other trans woman I know and have met in person. Um, 
I mean, like I've I've like briefly run into and met people in passing, but but like I don't know any trans women here in Bozeman. I know of a couple, but I've never met them. Um, I can give you a list of trans men that I know. <laughs> I can give you a list of non-binary <laughs> people that I know. Yeah. But I do not, in my physical, like, real life, I, I don't have any, any other person. Um, and Nikki Smith lives in Salt Lake City. It's a six, seven-hour drive away. So... Wow. So like this online community is it's not just like a fun tool. It is a necessity yeah. a necessity for us. Yeah, for 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 someone like you who's like in a more like rural area, like mm-hmm. yeah, I completely I completely forget these things sometimes cuz I'm like kind of very privileged to be, you know, living right outside of Dallas in a nice large, you know, urban environment and getting mm-hmm. access and um being able to meet people um you know in a large you know city you know populated area where there's a larger kind of queer community mm-hmm. but yeah for like growing up and living in you know more rural environment like you you know you take the sacrifices socially but what you get i think is the more access to nature and then immediate access yeah. to you know that canyon that you're talking about and being able to go directly to climbing right away so there's definitely some some pros that you have there that I don't got. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's very um, yeah it's very important to have the online community for for mm-hmm. both you know even even for me like it was you know at, at one point it was one of the most important you know tools that I had um, yeah and getting to meet people and talk to people um, and to kind of just like begin to start to unwrap and discover who I was, was through online and getting to talk to other people. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, like what you said exactly, like nailed it for me too, is like, you know, once I accepted myself and like being trans, like it's basically the first step for me was like coming out to myself is kind of what I, what I call that. It's just like, yeah, coming out to myself first and then, you know, working through all those things that come along with that process. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, possibly coming out to, you know, someone that you really trust after that. But, mm-hmm. um yeah now i'm going way off topic <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. um yeah that's that's fine though um so the next kind of thing i had for you kind of relates back to the last question but um it so yeah it might make you think of something else mm-hmm. uh so it's totally cool so um have you um have you had or suffered any hardships um from being a trans woman while climbing, um, your reaction makes this like, <laughs> very just like evident that there has been so, anything yeah, you'd, like, to, um, you'd be willing to share about that. I'd appreciate because the I, only way that these yes. things are, you know, I guess like deconstructed as if they're talked about. Yeah. Um, You know, I, so yes, the answer is yes. Um, But maybe not in the ways that, that most people are initially expecting. Um, Yes, I've, I've been glared at and had 
you know, people make comments under the breath in parking lots and stuff. Um, and, um, but the, the issues I have had have been less from random people. Um, and unfortunately it, it's been mostly lateral, um, oppression from within the queer community, um, from non- non-trans members of the community and mm-hmm. i don't i perhaps because it, it hurts to think about i don't know that i can define where it comes from whether it is just transphobia or um a cis fragility of sorts um but yeah um I I did have a climbing partner um, for a while who, um, unfortunately, I let the all the the red flags you know get brighter and brighter until until I wasn't able to um, deny it anymore. But um, but yeah, I I experienced a lot of of just gaslighting my lived experience as a trans person, um, questioning and, um, belittling my, my expressions of joy sometimes for experiencing something for the first time, um, interactions with other people even um you know growing up i was such a quiet shy person that like people didn't talk to me nobody i was not included in like anything um so i i finally remember uh somebody reaching out toward to me to engage with me and i was just so shocked by it um i was um overjoyed by it but i i had never like really like i there was just something about it that just like blew my mind that there this was a new type of interaction a new type of being seen and acknowledged that i had never had before and then to be um like To, to be made fun of because that's quote unquote normal, like for apparently for them, for, for other, other people, um, that's not normal for me. Um, so, um, and, and, you know, highlight can be a very social place. Um, it's one of the really awesome and really horrible things about it. Um, there's easy approaches to all the climbs um, within the local community, um, especially. It's a it's a tight knit um, group of people, and if you don't know somebody directly, like you're one person um, away from them. So it, it's a very social place, and um, 
people just connect really quickly and oh there's this there's this group climbing next to you you've never met them um i don't know how many times i see people like exchange numbers and be like oh hey let's let's go climb this next week or whatever and um and again, just this, these new experiences that, that over the last two years that I, I'm just now having, um, and, you know, voicing these, these concerns with, with, uh, con- either concerns or joys, um, either way with, with this former partner, um, and just being, Yeah, just being whatever, um, made fun of, ridiculed, gaslit about these experiences and, and my feelings about them um, were, were pretty, pretty hard. Um, I don't really want to get into too much detail um, about this person or this situation specifically because um, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary. But, um, yeah, yeah, but I oddly, to answer your question, um, my, yeah, my biggest issues have been, um, laterally from within the, um, LGB, um, community. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough. Like, that's kind of the thing that I forget about. I forget about sometimes is like people from within our own community are the ones that are sometimes making it difficult for well and i think that almost makes it worse um at least it makes it hurt worse because it's like Mm -hmm. i'm supposed to be looking at you people for support like Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be family um and then i expect you know trouble from an old cishet white guy that has a a gun on his hip um you know like not to stereotype but it's that's what i my experiences have raised me to mm-hmm. um to feel is i i expect that there um i should not have to expect that from within my own community yeah no, that's really hard to like think you're with in a safe space safe relationship with someone that you're climbing with mm-hmm. um yeah that's i haven't encountered anything like that myself with, with any like mm-hmm. partners or friends yet and i mm-hmm. i don't hope to like have to go through it but to anyone who does i'm sorry that's that's really that's really tough mm-hmm. to be think trusting that person and then realizing that you actually weren't actually thought of as like an equal in their eyes or like you know mm-hmm. the person you are um, yeah so that's really that's really challenging um and like i guess to like kind of like it's interesting that you said you know it's like from the person you didn't expect because they're in the community right it's like one of the things that i've you know opened myself up to now with going to the gym so much is meeting uh, an amazing amount of you know straight cis you know straight cisgender people who mm-hmm. are, you know, 100% supportive of me and climbing in the gym and, like, being there. Um, it's really um, great and 
like heartwarming to get that support from people in the gym. Mm -hmm. It means a lot. Um, And especially like with what's going on right now with, you know, all of the trans youth and like basically everyone's states trying to take away, you know, their rights to um, compete in sports um, Mm -hmm. is just really just ridiculous and like accessing healthcare. Um, uh-huh. Because like I was through the gym, like through Summit, I was actually able to compete in my first ever competition, like bouldering comp. Like, you know, it was, uh-huh. a, you know, Lady Crusher's bouldering competition. And like I saw like the thing go up and I was just like, you know, let me sign up. Is there going to be any issues with this? Uh-huh. And so I asked one of my friends who was, you know, works at Summit, and they're like, "Oh no, you, you'll be able to climb. It's anyone who, you know, who identifies as a woman." Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> so like, I went and got to compete for the first time, you know, in a women's competition, um, and it was it was great. I had such a fun time and didn't have any feelings uh, or like I had no like negative, I guess, experiences there. Uh-huh. So that was really. Um, was really nice and so i just kind of like i realized that a second ago and like now realizing that some kids may not get that opportunity because they're trans just Mm -hmm. really makes me sad um Mm -hmm. so yeah i will try not to go into that anymore because it's just nice (laughs) to think about it um so yeah i i'm really hoping that um the equality act goes through and we can kind of override anything that's going to be uh-huh. made law in these states and that it won't be law for long. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, but moving on from that. <laughs> um, so um, what are, do you have any um, recent stories or recent climbing trips that you've taken um, that you wanted to, to share or talk about? Anything fun recently or any yeah. projects that you're working on? Ooh, um, I can go into a little bit of both, I suppose. Um, so April first, yeah. they um, every year on April first, the road into highlight closes. So um, ice season is essentially over, um, unless you you really want to get after it and get back there. Um, but the the last week of March. Um, a couple of my um, AMI teammates um, joined me um, for uh, just celebrating the end of the season. Um, my friend uh, Elizabeth Sagoon, um, Teresa, um, and Aki, um, all, all three of them are on the Scarpa AMI team as well. Um, I was privileged enough to already know and be friends with uh, Liz and Teresa, although this was the first time I actually met Teresa in person, um, thanks to COVID. Um, uh, Yeah, it was um, just an incredible week of um, getting to climb with, with other people that uh, while I was the only uh, trans and white person in in that little group, um, just being able to climb with other people that, unfortunately, I've got some shared experiences with in 
not being always given the space um, or being recognized and to see where where we can go um we all have different strengths in in our climbing um aki is a guide uh, with montana alpine guides um liz is currently working on a phd in indiana so she's not able to get up into the mountains as much as uh the rest of us are but um i've I've never met anyone with a drive and a dream like she has. Um, and Teresa is out of Portland and like literally like every other day she is climbing um, Mount Hood or, you know, some other mm-hmm. Cascade volcano and just like, <laughs> crushing it out there and um well her uh water ice experience isn't as uh she doesn't have as much water ice experience as um the rest of us um just seeing all of us come together with our our different strengths and weaknesses um Mm -hmm. and just just having a blast on some highlight classics um was incredible so yeah um so that was the last big um i guess climbing trip in the regular ice season um i'm still working out my schedule for the coming months um there's a chance um trying to put together a a quick trip into the bear tooths um in uh montana here there's a couple um really big alpine climbs that uh, will be sticking around for a a while longer and um that's the only only kind of big thing on the the horizon um at least the short-term horizon um this Mm -hmm. august i will be um uh, taking my uh, single pitch instructor course um, with AMGA um, out of the New River Gorge in West Virginia. So that's going to be an exciting um, and new experience. I've never been um, out east, really. So, um, and yeah, climbing, it just looks incredible, just gorgeous. And um, mm-hmm. just hoping it's not too hot in here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, other, I guess that's one of the reasons you're in Montana, right? I hate, so yeah, growing up in like Kansas, Missouri, central Illinois area, like I am just over it. It's the humidity and heat is literally mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and honestly, Montana is too hot and humid for me. Um, mm-hmm. If if I could, I would move much further north. Um, but I don't think that's that's feasible right now. <laughs> um, um, but other than that, no no real like specific um, climbing objectives or goals um, are set in stone yet. Other than 
um, I'm still in the early stages of this uh, mentorship program and Nikki Mm -hmm. and myself are um, really fine tuning out um, what our mentorship is going to look like and um, just building structure and um, uh, and and ways to to train better and more efficiently um, is that that's the big the big project of the year is to really mm-hmm. put all of my my focus and energy um, into this program um, to um, which I should say is not it's different for each mentor mentee partnership but for for me like it's not just about becoming a better climber one of my biggest goals with this program is to um because it's working towards getting the certificates to um be able to teach climbing and guide um i don't want to guide um people in the mountains just for the sake of guiding i have no desire um at this point at least for being a typical guide but i really really am working towards um again getting those certificates so that i can teach these classes i can so that i can go to Bozeman Ice Fest or Michigan Ice Fest and whole host or help um, Nikki um, or hopefully somebody else um, as well um, to host these affinity spaces and to teach our communities the skills to go from just going to an intro clinic to being a safe and uh, self-sufficient person in mountain environments um these affinity clinics have um really been popping up over the last couple years and um they seem to be getting good attendance but the retention um has not necessarily been there and we're not seeing the numbers of people that are going to the intro clinics stick around for a whole host of reasons of course, the, just the cost of entry is is outrageous. Um, climbing gear, um, ice climbing gear, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a not, whole other layer. It's a whole another layer, and so to be able to, you know, it's one thing to go to um, an intro clinic where you get a whole, you know, you you get the gear um, for the clinic. It's given to you for the day. Um, it's one thing to go from that to making this an active part of your life, even if you really, really want to. So a big part of my goals within this mentorship program is, is finding ways to, um, to affect change in, in some of these areas. Um, so. Yeah, no, that's really great. So it sounds like you're trying mm-hmm. to like help, with some of like the more expensive like cost prohibitive parts of climbing and trying to like break down those barriers basically to make 
mm-hmm. climbing more accessible for you know people in the mm-hmm. LGBTQ community. Because yeah. I know for me, like I just started you know climbing in the gym, and to me that was a big kind of like buy-in essentially of just mm-hmm. getting shoes and a harness. You know, like I didn't buy my first pair of shoes uh, and a harness until like four or five months in. I yeah. was just sticking with the rental, you know, stuff from the gym because I didn't have the funds to like get it right away. And I was kind of just right. like surviving paycheck to paycheck at that point. <laughs> All right. And well, and to there's so many layers to it. It's like, I have the privilege of living in Bozeman, Montana, and I have the privilege of being able to go climb and highlight regularly and too many other people don't so i need to use this opportunity that i have to make it so that other people do have the ability do have the means and the 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 community the welcomeness to be able to do this um not not everybody can live everywhere but it's like it it's a great stepping stone of sorts that that there are gyms popping up everywhere because climbing in a gym is a more affordable entry into the climbing world than going straight to mountaineering or alpine climbing but um it's 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 just ridiculous um you know, there's there's no reason why there can't be more um, farmed ice um, in Washington or Colorado in places that are closer to major populations. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it might not be as glorious as a beautiful, naturally forming backcountry line um high in the mountains but there's all these things that we can do to um to increase um the number and diversity of people and i just yeah um i've got this privilege to try to be a part of that solution so um that's what i'm doing that's awesome. Very well put. Yeah. I'm excited to see what comes of that and like of you getting your um license or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, uh, start um, start just with your you yeah. know normal woofer and uh, single pitch instructor and yeah, um, instructor, yeah. and go down the path of mm-hmm. getting, you know, rock guide and alpine. Ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, I want to become an uh, a certified alpine guide um maybe ski guide although i've gone down i've gone down so deep in the the rabbit hole of climbing that um <laughs> i'm not sure how much i want to um if i want to put too much more focus yeah. on on skiing um it's kind of hard to like balance both at, at a higher level <laughs> yeah um, no but I definitely feel that in terms mm-hmm. of work trying to balance multiple things and i'm just like mm-hmm. yeah it's tough when you get the higher and higher you get in the in the industry and it's just like yeah it's kind of hard to do both of these things to your mm-hmm. at least so 
yeah but no i'm excited to see what comes of that and excited to um you know follow your um progress and see what uh comes next for you so i'm really excited for you claire that's really fun mm-hmm. thank you um yeah um and one of these days one of us will hopefully be close enough to one another <laughs> that we can sure. actually go climb together that would be amazing um, right. you can teach me how to ice climb basically that's that's the goal right there yeah i get to learn how to ice climb we can do it yeah that's... i'll get you <laughs> i'm kind of scared it's i get that you know i i totally understand that fear um for me ice is just so much more natural um than than rock climbing um but yeah i guess to each their own yeah i guess that's something i didn't even ask you i guess if you don't mm-hmm. mind like is there like what's what it is about ice over over rock that brings you into it more um i think there's something about the fact that it's here one moment and it's gone the next. You know, um, not that that's yeah. not true with rock climbing. Um, of course, there's there's always yeah. these um, uh, geological elements um, that are wor- degrading the rock in mm-hmm. one form or, or another. Yeah. But it's a, such a slow... It's not not get, quite the same pace. Yeah, it's not um. the same speed where like it comes in, you know, in mm-hmm. winter, and then by you know April or whatever, it's melted away. It's just yeah. gone or so to the point where you can, still can't climb it the same. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Yeah. So it's just like a more, um, like it's here for that moment and then it's gone basically. So yeah. Well, and it, even if it is here the next day, it 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 can be totally different. You can climb the same piece of ice every day for a month and you can be climbing a new climb every single day um, just through the melt freeze cycles, um, how the sun hits it, how many other people have climbed it and chipped things away. Um, it's it's really interesting um, how, wow. yeah. Um, Likewise, I, I can't define it, but there is just something breathtaking and incredible of being high in the mountains in the middle of winter. Like, you're not supposed to be there. That is objectively a very dumb thing to do. <laughs> like, put yourself, you know in avalanche terrain or on a uh ice column or cliff wall out of cell service away from society um in so many ways it is one of the most ridiculous things um that humanity's ever done but there's just something so breathtaking about it that um, I, I, I just, I don't have the words. 
yeah, to, to describe like to, it. It sounds like it kind of goes back to the nature thing there for you. Yeah, for sure. Because you're talking about how just beautiful everything is outside and being able mm-hmm. to like you're like connecting with nature at that point where you're like mm-hmm. one with the one for with sure. the mountain with the ice and with everything else out there so mm-hmm. that's that's really beautiful and mm-hmm. yeah I, I look forward to hopefully one day in the future getting to experiencing an ice climb even if it's yeah. just once i need to i need to well fingers crossed um that covid will be handled well enough that Bozeman Ice Festival will happen this winter. Um, and in which case, um, you are more than welcome out here. And um, I'd love to to take you climbing. Okay. When is this Bozeman Ice Festival? I can try to, we can post about it in <laughs> yeah. the show notes, as they say on podcasts. Um, it's generally like what the second-ish weekend of December okay so gotcha yeah that sounds like a cold time it can be (laughs) (laughs) for sure um but it can really go either way it could be 30 and mild or it could be negative 30 and frigid um so (laughs) (laughs) you said 30 and mild i'm like yeah okay That's, (laughs) that's fun Although it did, like, when it was icing here, basically, like, it got the coldest that Dallas had ever seen in, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, 80 years or something. Like, it got down to, like, one degree or, like, like, like it uh, got down to, like, basically zero at some point for, like, a day or it's two. pretty good. And honestly, when it went to 32 and it got to one degrees, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell the difference. I'm like, it's just really freaking cold now. No, for sure. Um, probably just through exposure, like... I find once I hit negative 15, negative 20, it could be, you know, you could have wind chills of negative 45, negative 50, and I, I can't tell you a difference. Mm-hmm. But, it's just really cold. But I, I can tell you zero degrees to negative 20. Okay, yeah. So but but like past, past that, that it's just like this hurts the face. Mm-hmm. This hurts the and, skin, yeah. Yeah, and – like I am a masochist, so I kind of love it, but, um, <laughs> but like when it like hurts the face, you're like, okay, I, I should probably start rethinking my life priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I went on a walk in the snow when it was happening just because mm-hmm. I was been stuck in my house the whole day. I was like, I need to get outside and walk at least for a little bit, yeah. 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I like had this like Columbia jacket that my mom just got me for Christmas and it is the most amazing jacket. It's like this thin material, but it kept me <laughs> super warm. I don't understand the science behind it. So thank you, Columbia, for your right? super, warm, <laughs> for super warm coats and jackets that yeah. are amazing. And I just had like, you know, my face all covered up with a scarf. So like all I could really see was like right here. And my nose was just like freezing at the end of it. <laughs> I had to like go back in and like thaw my nose. It was, it was great. Yeah. There's something nice about it. That's way. To, that's one way to describe it. Yes. <laughs> that's definitely one way to describe it. I, mean, I I just love winter. If if you haven't been able to yeah. tell, it's it's my element. I, I do have an appreciation for it because I can always put more clothes on and bundle mm-hmm. up than you know it being too hot and you can't really 
take anything off once you're to the last layer basically for sure um so yeah i, I get that um it's easier to look cute yeah. in winter interesting i've never someone heard someone take the approach yeah. for it's easier to look cuter when interesting yeah, yeah. okay M can, more clothes more accessories just um mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah okay i i, I don't i don't have cool. to show I'm off excited. this like pasty white like skin like i don't tan i go from elmer's glue to like mr crab's red like there is no in between. Ooh. Yeah. That's so beautiful. yeah. So wintertime, yeah. fully clothed. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything, Claire, that uh you would wanna talk about that I haven't asked you about hmm. or you wanna talk about? Um I so I, I don't know um if this is something you would want to talk about um but I've got a question for you if you don't mind. Oh, um, I love this. Yeah, um what is your dream with this queer takeover of the podcast? How, where do you want to see it go and how do you want to see this develop? Cuz I I'm like when you reached out to me, I was like, I've, you know, I've, I've heard of this podcast, uh, not the queer takeover part, but like, mm -hmm. I, I, I've heard Mario Stanley's name. I, I know there was mm -hmm. a podcast, um, but I had never listened to it. And um, yes, there's been like individual um episodes of various podcasts um that have talked about trans people or, or talked with trans people or mm -hmm. um otherwise um queer topics but unless i'm missing something i've i've never seen um like a series of episodes or a, let alone a whole podcast dedicated mm -hmm. to just our community and yeah. um so when you reached out i was like holy shit i'm like <laughs> scared and super yeah. excited and um i i would love to see hear what your vision is because yeah i i just i i don't know this has been really a really great experience for myself and i'd love to help make this a great experience for you Okay, awesome. No, that's so funny. You just said you were scared and excited. And I just remember that was like two of the things that I felt whenever Mario <laughs> actually asked me to um, do, like originally he contacted me about having me on for an episode. And I was just like, yeah. yeah, that sounds really great. I'm really excited. And then he was just like, he came to me with the idea of like doing a whole like takeover, you know, series of mm -hmm. a certain number of episodes. And, you know, making my own list of people that I want to talk to and then reaching out to them and then, like, actually recording the podcast like we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was really excited but also really scared because I didn't really see myself as the right person to, to host something on this Honey, level. I feel that. Um, he was... 
thank you. Um, he's, he was just like, well, you're a really good talker and like good at conversations with people. So you'll be perfect for this. And like, yeah. okay, yeah, I'm a huge extrovert and I do enjoy conversation. Um, mm -hmm. a good conversation. For clarity, I, I didn't like... mean that as that you're not the right person, just a imposter syndrome. Oh, no, 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 I totally it's, it's, Okay. <laughs> I, I just thought about that and I was like, oh shit, I hope you didn't think I was... <laughs> no, 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 I totally understood it. Thank you yeah. for, for double checking though. That's very sweet. Um... But yeah, so like I was really at first just like I told I even told Mario after like thinking about it, I was like, am I really the right person? Like mm -hmm. I've never even climbed outside. I've been so sheltered in, you know, Summit's little bubble of climbing that I haven't been able to experience it myself. Uh -huh. Um, so I kinda have this very um, you know, singular perspective mm -hmm. uh about the climbing community. And one of the best things is for me, it's been able to talk to other people in the climbing community, you know, across the U.S. now and being able to talk to them and hear what it's like from their perspective. So, from, like, from your perspective, mm -hmm. um, being where you are and, like, being in an ice climbing community is completely different than mine. So, it's been able to really help educate me and mm -hmm. the kind of the goal that I have for the, the takeover episodes is to help educate you know, your cis het climbers, which probably wouldn't have tuned in to, you know, a podcast that was going to, you know, be talking, you know, from queer people with other queer people. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of just to kind of help educate and to really help, um, you know, um, to kind of like help see that we're, even though we do have our differences, that mm -hmm. we're still in love with the same sport of climbing and like what that offers us mm -hmm. and the, 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 the similarities that we share there and being mm -hmm. able to just like bridge it all together is kind of like what my, one of my big goals of it is, but the other one is to just kind of selfishly be able to talk to really cool other, um, you know, queer yeah. or trans folks in the in the climbing community because i would never have had this opportunity if it wasn't for mario it just like asked me if i wanted to do it so yeah. it's it's really great on the you know kind of selfish region there um oh, to sure. be able to like put myself Own out it. there and to talk to so many amazing climbers um mm -hmm. and just to be able to like learn about these other types of climbing that i never would have been able to learn about Right. Um, well, it's also a cool documentation of your own progress and history and um, welcoming into the broader climbing world. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's you know. really great. I, I'm just kind of like throwing myself in, basically, you know, just like full blast um, mm -hmm. and seeing where that goes. Because like, I really do love recording these podcasts. Um, yeah. And so far, uh, Mario has me set to like, do eight first and mm -hmm. then see from there um but i don't know maybe i get to eight and realize it's something i don't want to stop i don't know yeah um i would totally be interested to to take it further um for sure um it would be a lot of fun uh yeah just to help other you know queer climbers have some type of you know content that they can identify with Mm -hmm. um on like a podcast you know mm -hmm. 
type of uh, form of media. So yeah, that's that's kind of the reason, just to give you know people in the community something um, to kind of help meet you know yeah. other people in the community that they may not have ever had the chance to, and kind of get to peek into their life um, and learn a little bit about each other. So those are some of the some of the things that are really um, got me excited for it. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I am beyond thrilled to be a part of it and. Um, I wish you all the successes um, in the world for it. And if there's any, any way I can help, let me know. Cause I'm, I'm just a person over here trying to help support our community. Um, yes. I'm very like-minded there. Thank you, Claire. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, thank you again for the awesome question. Such a good question. Um, and yeah, if there anything, if there's anything else, um, we can wrap it up there. Um, thank you again, Claire, for having you, uh, for having you here. Um, I've had such a great conversation, um, and I look forward to continuing the conversation with you um, and being able to, uh, you know, build that further. Yeah, I again, Alexa, I'm really appreciative, and um, I don't know. I just <laughs> there's not words. There's just emotion. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's totally good. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Of course. Well, that does it for today's episode. Thank you for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, please make sure to go subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment or review, and be sure to like, follow, subscribe to all of the Sins and Suffers social media platforms. Be on the lookout for the next episode with Lore Saberin. And if you're not suffering, are you really even sending at all?